Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. We all my. Beautiful weekend it was. Don't have football. Don't go to the working man's beach. Great weather. If we'd had football or I'd gone to the beach, it'd have been hotter than seven hells. It was a nice summer weekend for sure. No, it was lovely. It was lovely. Uh, P-Man with you. Uh, We've got weekend winners, weekends worse coming up in a few minutes. Uh, we've got uh, comments from Mike Houston, courtesy of the Mike Houston Radio Show that aired last night here on 94.3 The Game. I thought Brian Bailey did a great job with that show. He really was good. Uh, a lot of info in that program. We'll break it down for you. And uh, speaking of breaking down info, Jim Soki coming up. Uh, first, we say hello to Ben Byram, who's producing hey, Byron. You doing all right, Ben? Everything good? I'm doing all right. I just came back from a nice little beach weekend. I'm ready I know. to go. I'm, I'm re-energized, you- ready to go. You and intern Philip had a uh, big weekend plans. I, I did not. I got into Cobra Kai is what I got into. Philip so. was making some big baller moves out there on the street. So. <laughs> the ref certainly was. All right. Uh, we got a, a lot to, to jump on here. So let's not dilly dally. And uh, again, we'll have Mike Houston, some comments from the radio show in case you missed it last night. Uh, we've got Jim Zoki coming up. But right now, a little thing we call weekend winners and weekends worst. It's time for Weekend Winners. Yes, I win! Game over! I win! And the Weekend's Worst. Worst day of my life? What do you think? Here on The Patrick Johnson Show. I don't want to start necessarily negative, but we got to start with Navy last night. Yikes. You blew it! Weekend Worst. Hey, look, I'll be the first to admit that Navy has totally owned ECU since they started playing non-conference a few years ago and uh, has dominated, and that domination at times uh, has uh, well, certainly has continued since the two became conference rivals. You know, ECU's downturn in fortunes uh, coincides with uh, them becoming regular league rivals, so that may obviously play in part uh, a huge part of it. But Navy last night uh, looked like they had never even – stepped on a football field in some ways they had not ken niamato lolo and i have a ton of respect for him i think everybody does he admitted they had not hit in the preseason i think the ivy league once they get in season they don't hit which makes sense to me but to not hit in the preseason i mean give weekend winner uh credit to byu because they look physical they were explosive and what a difference from two or three years ago when they were in greenville you talk about a program that doesn't even look the same now, uh, the Cougars. But back to Navy. You know, there was – I mean, Navy got a first-place vote or two, did they not, for the preseason media poll for the American. Long way to go uh, before the uh, the mids uh, would any be anywhere near that form based on what we saw last night. So a weekend worse for Navy and a weekend worse for nobody in the stands. You blew it! Weekend worst. The midshipmen uh, who attend Navy were not there uh, because of COVID concerns. And by there, I mean at the game. 
I mean, they're there. They're living. They're attending class. They're doing everything. Why not at least do what Army did? The Ar Army let the cadets spread out. And it provided some atmosphere. Boy, I tell you, no crowd last night at that game. That was uh, that was that was a, a thing to get used to last night. Everything sounded hollow and noisy, and you could hear all the sidelines. It seemed like the mics were really hot, uh, which was fine. That was interesting. I think that will be interesting in certain uh, circumstances, but I, I just I don't know if they had the crowd and the nap mics turned up a little too high. Uh, let's go with a weekend winner. Speaking of crowds. You're a winner. Weekend winner. SMU at Texas State, I probably got to see the most of, uh, well, that, of the Marshall game I watched a good amount of. But uh, SMU at Texas State, I got to see the most of, of that of any of the games, I feel like. And they had crowds, limited crowds, but they had crowds. And I thought the crowds were, were fantastic. I thought the crowds, uh, even a small number, added a little bit of something. So did uh, the crowded army with the cadets. Uh, the Memphis crowd of uh, a little over 4,100. It all added something. Also a weekend winner to uh, Marshall's quarterback, Grant Wells. What a debut for him. You're a winner. Weekend winner. Got another weekend worst. You blew it! Weekend worst. Uh, let's, uh, well, I mean, Governor Cooper. Governor Roy Cooper. A weekend worst, undoubtedly. Not even going to allow parents into the game. Mike Houston talked a little bit this about this on his radio show last night. Uh, John Gilbert and the other ADs across the state were trying to work with the Cooper administration, but I think they've found, like a lot of business owners and a lot of other people in the state, uh, the governor's just not willing to work with too many people. Uh, so now parents, you know, people from the same homes, are not going to be able to go and space out in these 50, 60,000 seat stadiums, or in Duke and Wake's case, 30 some odd thousand, but still you get the point. You can space out and watch the games uh, if, if you're a parent. I mean, it's just heartbreaking that parents aren't going to be able to watch their kids who have put all this time and effort and energy in over the years and leading into this year with all the ups and downs. They can't watch them play in person. And it, it's an absolute and it's a continued disservice uh, by this, uh, this, this alleged governor of the state of North Carolina. It's ridiculous that uh, he and Deputy Sheriff Cohen, I, I don't know what science they're applying, but they're not applying, uh, you know, just common sense of spacing people out in these venues and letting family members and parents and grandparents who want to attend, attend college football. On a much brighter note, weekend winner. You're a winner. Weekend winner. ECU football alum, a phrase first coined on this show, uh, also a South Central football alum, Kendall Futrell, friend of the show. Congrats to him as he signs with uh, the Bengals practice squad. And you've got the other Pirates and the Pros that uh, are on rosters going into week one of the NFL season. So congratulations to them all. A major weekend winner. Another uh, weekend worst. You blew it! Weekend worst. This one comes with audio, courtesy of the Braves television uh, broadcast, our friend Chip Carey, friend of the show. And the uh, Cowboy rides again. Cowboy, I know he's from Rose. I know he's from Greenville. Cowboy Joe West ejecting the Nationals GM Mike Rizzo, uh, who was in a skybox. Let's listen to the audio. And listen at the very beginning. Uh, we'll crank it up a little bit, but listen closely. You're out. Wow, somebody's getting kicked out. Hunter Wendelstedt sees somebody in the upper deck or in the second deck. Call security. 
Somebody's been ejected either Joe West or Hunter Wendelstedt saw it and they've asked security to be called either in the second deck or third deck. And they said we'll wait for you. Better not be Mike Rizzo. Oh it was GM who's traveling with the club here in Atlanta. Oh, I think it is. Yes sir. It might be the way he was yelling back. I love how Hunter I don't know if you heard him say hey Brian to snick call security. Yeah Joe West the same. <laughs> now I know but telling the manager to call security. The protocol at the ballpark you're supposed to have your mask on in public areas right. I don't know where Mike is standing. I don't see him. But umpire and crew is going to get in charge with brave security and ask whoever is there to be escorted out. Joe West, country Joe West, cowboy Joe West. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, most assuredly a weekend worst yet again. Uh, another uh, weekend uh, worse. Gaudy outfits, at least uh, those worn by uh, the mint julep drinking folks that have the uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, the uh, Kentucky Derby ratings were the uh, highest, according to the Peacock, for uh, a Labor Day weekend sporting event since 2017. 8.4 million watched, but that is uh, about half of what watched last year. So ratings for uh, the uh, Kentucky Derby. A weekend worst. Uh, another weekend worst. Go back, Djokovic, uh, the number one player in the world. Uh, I, I just feel he was so frustrated. He hit the the ball and it struck uh, uh, one of the uh, officials in the throat or in the face. And uh, this poor woman now is getting threatened by uh, his fans. Uh, and Novak uh, took uh, responsibility for it. So a uh, a weekend winner there, but a weekend worst uh, in uh, just kind of letting the frustration get uh, the better of him. Uh, let's go uh, with a couple of weekend winners to wrap it up here. You're a winner. Weekend winner. Dustin Johnson, what a performance in the tour championship in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, DJ just uh, again was dominant. Got pushed a little near the end by Xander Shoffley, but was able to uh, to uh, persevere. And I don't think anybody the last month plus has played uh, any better golf than uh, Dustin Johnson has. And he uh, won 15 million. The PGA tweeted the video of a Polina Gretzky, his uh, I guess his wife, right, uh, coming out to embrace him and delivering a smooch. Uh, cool stuff uh, there. But to me, <laughs> the the ultimate tweet in this. And I, and I checked on this, and this was an honest-to-goodness uh, tweet from, uh, from the president who tweeted out, Congratulations to Dustin Johnson, not only a great winning streak and golf season, but capping it off with a fantastic PGA Tour championship and becoming the 2020 FedEx Cup champion. Dustin is a true winner in so many ways. This was seen as a reaction to uh, Paulina Gretzky running out uh, <laughs> for the... Uh, for the celebratory embrace and smooth. Uh, another weekend uh, winner, and always a winner in my book, uh, happy birthday to my mom, Debbie Johnson. She'll listen to the show at times. Uh, she's the one, and is the only person that cares if you're on the air is your mother. So uh, that's uh, something that uh, many old broadcasters, Vince Scully maybe even said. Uh, but uh, happy birthday to her, love her dearly. And the, uh, the president of uh, IBX Media, our great friend, 
and uh, someone who uh, I have a great deal of admiration for as well. Uh, the Big Hen celebrated his birthday yesterday, the Henry Hen. So happy birthday uh, to him. All right, uh, we're going to get to Jim Zoke. He talked some NFL and the Panthers. Uh, Panther talk last night. We'll have the game for you on 103.7 WTIB this weekend. And when we uh, come back, uh, we'll get into our pirate report. Lots of audio from uh, uh, Coach Mike Houston, and we'll get to as much of that as time allows. Patrick Johnson Show kicking it off on a weekend winner, weekend worst Tuesday after the holiday. Patrick Johnson, every weekday at 5. I know he's a friend of yours, but that guy is bonkers. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, we're uh, rolling on. Uh, Mike Houston Radio Show, the uh, premiere episode of the season last night from the Town Bank Tower. And uh, Coach Houston, among uh, the many things he discussed, talked about uh, things kind of starting to feel like they're returning to normal. We're slowly getting things back into control here, uh, getting some guys out of quarantine, out of isolation. Uh, It'll still be another week or so before we get everybody out. Hopefully we can uh, keep things controlled as best we can. But, you know, you have concerns with every college in the country because, uh, you know, from what I've seen, about every university goes through what we just went through. Um, You know, it all revolves around, you know, having students come back to campus and in-person classes. Uh, So we did it very, very early. So we kind of went through our, you know, our issues kind of earlier maybe than some people will. But... I think you're going to continue to see a lot of stoppages uh, and a lot of difficulties, uh, you know, because of this virus. Somebody uh, in works in medicine sent me something uh, today. It had a bunch of uh, colleges, uh, mainly universities uh, around the country, bigger universities. ECU was on the list. Uh, and in fact, uh, there was a report that uh, over 1,100 COVID cases have been uh, traced back, I guess, to ECU. Uh, Channel 9 was reporting that earlier this afternoon. But uh, the the thing that I was sent, and I I need to vet it a little more, but this is kind of what it comes back to. How many of these cases with the young people in college are uh, leading to hospitalizations? This list I saw over 20-some-odd thousand prior to Labor Day COVID cases at at universities. I mean, you're talking the University of Texas, UNC, NC State, ECU is on the list, as I mentioned, uh, JMU, uh, major big colleges. And no hospitalizations for any of those students. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I think that's, you know, if we're going to look at the numbers and parse the numbers, that's a that's a fair area to look at. Uh, Mike Houston, uh, though, and, and he's right. A lot of other, I mean, Rice is already going through some issues out in the Houston area now. Uh, they've had to, to move a couple more games. So you'll see other uh, institutions go through this. Uh, Mike Houston on uh, no fans in the stands and what that means. Cut one. You know, we've been preparing the kids for it. I, I, I still, there's no way to truly prepare for it. Um, it's going to be strange. It's going to be something that uh, you know we're going to need need our sideline. It's going to require the kids just to be you know extremely dialed in. Um, I really hate it for them. We, we're we're trying everything we can to at least get their parents there, but I don't think that's going to work out. But uh, you know, it, it is what it is. At least we're going to play. That's some good news there. Uh, He elaborated further about the effort to get parents and family members uh, there, which does not 
it's not going to happen. That's essentially not going to happen in any of the institutions in, in North Carolina uh, in the next few weeks, and that's very unfortunate. But Mike Houston with more on that last night. John Gilbert's trying, uh, and, you know, he really – uh, and that's the, the families are the ones that is the priority right now. If we could just get them. Uh, naturally, we want everybody. We want right. all of Pirate Nation. You know, it's, it's a home field advantage for us. But, uh, you know, if we can at least get the families for the first game, that would be a great win. But, uh, you know, it's just something the, you know, he and the other athletic directors in the state are working with the governor and just, you know, I hope. Uh, and then uh, Mike Houston kind of talked about all the things that uh, players in the football program have been dealing with. At least we're playing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's something that we have dealt with, you know, all all spring, all summer, all fall is the unknown. And it's, uh, and that's really the thing. That's the one thing the kids have struggled with is just the unknown, the disappointment, the you know, the Marshall game being postponed, losing the Norfolk State game, losing the South Carolina game. Uh, you know, and it's it, you just you you deal with so much with the pandemic, with the quarantine, with school being the way it is, and it's a you know it's a tough time to be a to be a, a kid in that uh, position. You know, it, you think back to when 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 we played, and all the things that we had to deal with. But you know, it's nothing compared to what they're dealing with right now. And it's you know for some of them, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's just a lot. Uh, let's skip ahead to cut five and six here. These are two, uh, I think, very interesting uh, pieces of news out of the radio show last night. I'm sorry, cut four and cut five. No skipping here, Ben. I'm sorry. I had a senior moment. Uh, but th- this, to me, is very important because uh, you'd heard some some talk this weekend of Duke, in particular, going to a third test, a Friday test in their testing protocol. Right now, the ACC uh, reportedly we're going to do two tests a week. ECU and the American, we're going to go do two tests a week. This is Mike Houston talking about a new testing protocol, cut four. We've all been tested probably eight times now. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're getting ready to start testing three times a week uh, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I know they confirmed twice a week. We're hearing now that we're going to be tested again on Friday morning. So, uh you know, it's going to be a three-time-a-week deal, and it's, I, I'll tell you, the, kid, the, the kids are like, you know, Coach, you just don't understand how bad it's like. Yeah, I do. I, you know, I'm right there with <laughs> yeah. you. I, I've, I've felt it, and it's, it's not a pleasant test. You know, we're using the PCP test where they go up, up your nostril, and, uh, and literally it feels like they're hitting the back of your brain. Oh. So, uh, and it's, you know, it's about a 30-second swab. Uh, so it's, it's not a pleasant test at all. So – Let's discuss that. I mean, if you're using a third test on Friday and it comes back Saturday morning, you you could be within two or three hours of playing a football game. How does contact tracing work with that then? Uh, th- that, to me, would seem very problematic, and this is where you're going to have issues with uh, with with games uh, at the last minute getting maybe uh, – postponed or, or flat out canceled and how does that go how is that going to work when a team has flown there uh mike houston's going to address the media in less than an hour from now uh, after our show on one of the uh, zoom press conferences assuming zoom is working it was not working earlier today and uh you know that that's tough that is because you cannot get out of the contact tracing side of this 
anyway, uh, Mike Houston last night on his radio show, we're reliving some of the uh, moments from that inaugural 2020 voyage. And uh, coach talked about the test that they are using is deemed uh, one of the more, if not the most reliable test that's out there uh, that the American and ECU are using. It is the most reliable test. It's the reason we're using that one. Yeah. Some of the other ones are not quite as invasive, but they're not as accurate either. So uh, I will say that, you know, our, our medical team here, uh, you know, Vident, uh, you know, Dr. Armin, all of our medical professionals, uh, they are they're being very thorough, very conservative with everything. Uh, everything they're doing is the very best that there is available. So that makes you feel confident that you're doing everything you can to protect your players and protect the coaches and protect everybody. That's a very good thing, a very positive thing. Uh, but again, I, I think if, if you're going to have this third test on Fridays, boy, that is, uh, that's, that's a tough thing. Uh, and, and I understand the desire for player safety. You want to test as much as possible, but gosh, to not be, unless they can, and I, and I might be wrong about what ECU is doing. I just, I, I remember reading some, some comments, I guess, from either the UNC press conference or the Duke press conference earlier today with Mac Brown and David Cutcliffe, uh, respectively. And they, they said that, well, I guess it's the case of UNC at Syracuse this weekend. I mean, the, the Tar Heel players are taking the third COVID test of the week on Friday. It'll be in that morning and they've got a game at noon. I mean, that's, that's very, very tough. Uh, Mike Houston on our uh, Pirate Report, uh, he was asked in a Q&A segment uh, they did uh, via social media, have any players approached him about sitting out? We have not had a major uh, deal with that. We have one, uh, you know, one young man who is, uh, you know, taking time to recover uh, you know, from the COVID deal. It's not serious or anything, but, you know, our, our players have stayed very committed. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. They all know that we're going to protect them. You know, it's uh, like I said, our medical professionals have done a great job of making sure that, uh, you know, they're very uh, conservative with the return to play protocol. Um, we've had, you know, minimal, uh, you know, issues as far as symptoms being very serious or anything like that. And when there have been any issues, then, you know, everybody has been very, very thorough with, uh, you know, with everything that they're doing. So I think everybody has a lot of confidence just in the, the way everything's being handled. Uh, we've got our pirate report, Mike Houston here with, uh, some of the changes, uh, was asked about some of the changes that, that could be coming to the college football landscape. And, uh, Mike answered that question last night on his radio show. The landscape of college football in general, uh, is going to change. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and what I mean is I think you're going to see the, the power five, the NCAA, I think you're going to see everything change in the next several years. Uh, not because of this, but I think as a result of this, um, you know, just the, the lack of being able to have a unified uh, leader that, uh, you know, can kind of keep everybody together and keep everybody on the same page has been a glaring weakness this year for um, the, the BCS level, the FBS level. Um, and I just think you're going to see some changes. You may see. Uh, who knows? You may see the the Power Five separate from the NCAA and the rest, and uh, you know who knows where that leaves us. You know, I, I hope that uh, you know we could be a part of that, and I think that uh, you know there's some some justification for that. But I, just, I think there's going to be a lot of change over the next several years. 
All right, there's a lot of good information on this. This was really an informative show to, to listen to uh, last night. And uh, let's skip ahead here to a cut where he talked about having to kind of shut the camp down for nearly two weeks and then fire it back up. The difficulties in that, cut 10. It was disappointing. Um, <clears throat> I was not surprised. We expected something like this once the student body came back, and uh, and that's exactly what happened. You know, it's just you know, and and, and you can't fault them. I mean, they're they're eighteen to twenty one year old uh, you know college students, and uh, just we you know when they got back together, uh, you know, we, we were unable to control the uh, you know, the spread of the virus, and we had a spike. Uh, the tough thing was that our pause lasted twelve days, and even though I knew it would be a setback I never would have imagined it would set us back as far as it did and um the positive is our players have gotten better every day back um it's been steady improvement but boy those first couple of days were rough and I was you know I was it was it was not a good time around our facility uh in fact uh, Mike Houston talked about that the freshmen uh were the ones that really struggled coming back as far as forgetting uh, everything after that 12-day period, cut 11. It was like all of our freshmen forgot everything we've done. <laughs> I mean, it was like starting over. It was just – and but we had to. And I, t- I told the coaches, you know, going into the first day, we were hopeful. After the first day, I said, listen, you got to start back like day one. we got to start base, base install, reteach everything, and just take it slow and just try to, you know, just try to reinstall. Uh, they did pick it up quicker this time. Uh, and so we have progressed, but, uh, you know, certainly it set us back. And coach was asked by a fan in uh, one of their social media questions about adding a game in October. For right now, we're going to keep the open date. And, uh, you know, John Gilbert and I have had a lot of discussions. Uh, I think you're going to see some some games get canceled. I think you're going to see us have to move some games around. And so I think giving us – giving ourselves as much flexibility with our schedule as we can to try to play as many of the games that we have scheduled as possible. Um, you know, will we pick up a new opponent? Um, I'm not going to say no. I, I don't think it's uh, a great possibility, but I think it's something that if the right opponent, uh, you know, appeared at the right time, uh, you know, we would add somebody new. And uh, then Mike discussed uh, – I mean, this is really, you, you listened to him last night, all of the challenges they're having to face, and we actually have some cuts we're going to get in here uh, that talk about even some more of the challenges. But there is the issue with eligibility this season. NCAA has waived all eligibility restrictions, so it's kind of a free year. Uh, good for the Pirate program because you have so much young talent that'll get uh, conceivably some game experience this year, and that'll pay off in the years ahead. Uh, Mike Houston, though, says that that is, I mean, that will be something that could have ramifications on all of college football and, and will be tough. Everybody's available to play. You know, that's the thing. You're not worried about redshirting anybody or anything like that. And um, it's good this year because I think you're going to need a lot of depth, you know, because you're going to have some situations that are unlike anything we've ever seen. Uh, you, you're going to, you know, we're trying to prepare as many players to play uh, this year as I ever have. Uh, and trying to get as many people reps as you can. Um, it's it's not as easy as it sounds because, you know, you only have so much daylight during the day. You only have so many hours each week that you can work with the kids. Um, but you're, you, everybody on the roster has the ability to play. Um, doesn't mean that they will. Um, 
it creates great competition. Uh, it should keep everyone very motivated. Um, but it's 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 it is very a very unique situation. Did you have any problems, Ben? Because I know you watched the whole BYU Navy game last night. Uh, which did you lose a bet, or just wanted to watch football? I I just wanted to watch. It was just song okay. in the background, and I heard All Belichick right. come on, and I listened okay. to that for a little no, bit. No, he was great last night. He was, yeah, he was great. Uh, but did you have a problem hearing the electronic whistles? I did not. Actually, at one point, the reporters was demonstrating it, and I guess it was like a uh, pre-play, and when she went to hit it, it actually distracted the team. So I, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I, don't, I didn't see a lot of problems with it, but I, I, maybe I was tuned out at that point. Well, they're not whistles in the sense that you blow the whistle. You it's like a buzzer something. almost. Yeah. yeah, it's like a buzzer. So Mike was asked about that last night. Cut 20. The hard thing is, and we saw it in our first scrimmage, you can't hear them. Uh, they're just not very loud at all. Uh, and so we got out there in our first scrimmage, and, and you you really you could not hear it um, you know, all over the field. And so I'm, I'm concerned about that. I've asked several times uh, when the officials have been here, can you plug into the referee's mic? Um, you know, what are you guys doing? So, you know, they're trying to um, echo the whistle, which means that once one official blows his whistle, you will have multiple officials blow theirs. You know, it's kind of a no-no. Uh, in the officiating world, because you know you never want a uh, you know a, 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 a you know a whistle when there shouldn't be one. Um, so, but I think that is going to be something where the technology there has to continue to improve if they're going to continue to use the electronic whistles. And then this is, I mean, this is just right here, I think, sum ups the frustration, uh, and that is, you know, the sidelines are going to be from the tens to the tens, but locker rooms. And locker room space, especially when you go on the road or even for home games, apparently there, there some answers are going to come on this maybe today, maybe this week. I, I don't uh, know for sure, but uh, Mike talked about that last night. We're asking those questions of what exactly does it have to look like. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're testing us three times a week. You're going to have a, a minute chance of anybody being COVID positive that's on that sideline. So. Um, you know, what is the sideline going to look at? We're still looking for some direction as far as concrete answers from the, from the conference. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big topic this week, uh, for the administration to kind of give us some, uh, give us some information there. Uh, you will have masks on the sideline. So when a player takes his helmet off, he's got to put on a mask. You know, you worry a little bit about that, you know, because it's, uh, you know, this, it's a taxing sport. Um, you're going to be in some hot, humid environments, uh, you know, so you just you just gonna have so much stuff you got to deal with. Like you know, we, t- we were talking today, how are you going to water down the players? Because right now at practice, each of them have their own individual water bottle, and they cannot use anyone else's water bottle for obvious reasons. Uh, and so you got to keep you know how do you keep up with 118 of those? You know the trainers have really been uh, you know it takes a lot of organization from their part. Well, then I think about a game and how chaotic and hectic yeah. the game is on the sidelines. So you know, how are you going to handle all that stuff, uh, you know, on game day? There's so much with game day with locker rooms. You know, right now we're using five different locker rooms. Well, when what's it going to look like on game day? You know, I've asked that question, trying to get some answers there. Are we all going to be in the home locker room? Are we going to be in three different locker rooms? You know, how do I talk to the kids? What does halftime look like? There's just so much that, uh, you know, we've got to figure out and, you know, a lot of it is different state to state because, you know, you look at what was going on with SMU and 
Texas State in, in their opening game, well, it's going to be completely different in the state of North Carolina because, um, you know, the, the state and local guidelines are different in the state of North Carolina than they are in Texas. And so uh, it's just it's, it's, all that stuff is stuff we've got to get figured out before, before game one, and it's going to be different. Uh, we're a little tight on time, but let's go ahead and play this final cut here. Uh, Pirates are going to scrimmage on Friday, and uh, this is what Mike uh, Houston talked about as far as the ramp up to that scrimmage and what they wanted to accomplish or do want to accomplish the rest of the week. Getting everything fine-tuned this week. Um, you know, it's uh, like I said, we've gotten better every single day, and so I think this week is you know fine-tuning your offense and defense, but it's got to be a huge week with special teams. You know, we've got to get all the situations installed. Got to get a lot of work. Got to figure out what kind of our travel roster looks like, what our depth charts look like, because you know, really starting next week, you want to be installing the UCF game plan and really repping the players that are going to play on game day. You hope that you know which ones those are, um, but you got to figure out a lot of that stuff this week. Uh, today's pirate report: great stuff from the Mike Houston show last night. That was really a very informative listen. And again, we'll be talking to Coach Houston. Uh, after six today, uh, off air, we'll uh, check our social media. We'll have clips. We'll have uh, tweets. Uh, we'll have video. We'll have the whole nine. Right now, Ben Byram uh, ahead of Jim Zoki. Ben with an update on what is going on around college football and beyond. Ben. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94th of the game sports update. The NCHSAA has announced their plans for this year's football playoffs. The association announced that they've reduced football playoff brackets to two 16-team brackets for each classification instead of the normal 25. Last night right here on 94th of the game was the first Mike Houston show of the season, live from Logan's Roadhouse. Here's Mike Houston talk about the freshman player's struggles because of time off due to the pandemic. The freshman, yeah, that's it. And so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that feeds over into, into the defensive side of the ball because we do have such a young roster on that side of the ball. Really excited about them. They have a huge upside. Uh, you're going to see some, uh, you know, some kids that really improve throughout the year this year. But in the American Conference, Tulsa's home opener against Oklahoma State has been postponed another week due to Tulsa's temporary pause on campus due to the pandemic. Tulsa's AD claims that the team has only been able to practice seven times since August 7th. It wouldn't be fully prepared for the matchup. Former ECU coordinator, now Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley, has come out and stated that he will not disclose those who have tested positive on the Sooners squad during the season. Riley also claims that he won't even disclose how many players on his squad are in quarantine or have tested positive, claiming that it would create a competitive disadvantage. From the NFL, former ECU and South Central defensive end Kendall Futrell made it through cut day and has officially made the Bengals practice squad. Other parts either on practice squads or on the rosters are Zay Jones, Kurt Benkert, Gardner Minshew, Linval Joseph, and Josh Hawkins. The Cardinals signed star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins to a two-year extension worth $54.5 million. $42.5 million of that money is fully guaranteed. The extension will keep Hopkins in Arizona for five years. And the Cleveland Browns give running back Kareem Hunt a two-year extension worth $13 million with $8.5 million of that money guaranteed. From the NBA playoffs, the playoffs continue tipping off 6:30. Game 5 between the Heat and the Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo is ruled out for this game due to an ankle injury sustained in Game 4. Despite Giannis's injury and the Heat leading in the series 3-1, Miami is only favored by a point and a half. Later on at 9, some Western Conference action as the Lakers battle the Rockets in Game 3. The series is currently tied at one game apiece. The Rockets are the 5.5-point underdogs in that contest. 
And in golf, Dustin Johnson won the Tour Championship after finishing at 21 under at East Lake to capture his first career FedEx Cup. For your 94 through the game sports update, I've been Byron when we return. Panthers Radio Network's Jim Sokey on the latest, latest from Panthers training camp after this quick timeout. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, we welcome you uh, back in. Jim Zoki is itching to ready. He's, he, he missed his appearance yesterday, so he's itching and ready to go right now. As we welcome, I've been uh, waiting. <laughs> been staring at the phone for twenty four hours. Finally, it's here. Game. You're right about that thing about a watch phone never rings. It's been a whole day. Hey, it's game week, Jim. How about that? It's about darn time. And uh, you know, I bet a lot of folks when this whole thing started with off season preparations with COVID, never thought we'd see a opening week of football but we we made it and uh, and here we go let's give it a shot let's see what we got we got uh, the raiders and the panthers sunday at one noon airtime on our sister station 1037 uh wtib eastern north carolina's home for the panthers so you can listen to uh mick jim and now who's in the booth for this weekend who do we have this weekend uh, as, as the analyst i'm not even exaggerating when i say this to be determined former player to be determined they're still Deciding who's oh, doing which yeah, game. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to wait. Yeah. Have to wait. Now, what are I you... would tell you if I knew, but we don't even, we truly have not decided that yet for this week. All right. Now, do you all have special protocols? Will you be spaced out more than normal? Uh, different boots? How will all this work? <laughs> when you say spaced out more than normal, right. what you well, uh, yeah. <laughs> be spread out. Okay. Because <laughs> spaced out, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of the show. But, um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be distant. I think there's actually plexiglass in the booth and, uh, oh, wow. we may be working from, we may be working from two different booths, honestly. And I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's, I mean, we're, we're just working with the COVID rules that are given to us. And I'm, I'm not even sure how many coaches are allowed in one coaching box, like how spread out they are as far as number of boxes compared to usual. So I'll be honest, all that is that they were having a meeting today about many of the things wow. they're asking me about. So by tomorrow, I should know some of those things. Call back again tomorrow, Patrick. <laughs> all right. We'll start all over. Uh, ben, go ahead and mark down we're calling Zoki tomorrow, and uh, <laughs> we'll just make it a week, a daily appearance this week. Yep. Uh, all right, so yep. any surprises out of uh, camp with uh, the cutdowns and, and players uh, that uh, made the roster and those that did not? You know, nothing major with this roster. I mean, people, you know, were upset. and uh, I tweeted about F.A. Obata, but you know, they were trying to sneak him back onto the roster, and they were able to successfully do that with yeah. knowing they were going to put Eli Apple on the three-game injured list. So, you know, they hoped that they could put him out there, get him back. That worked out. They did that with a couple of players where they snuck them out there, like uh, Kenny Robinson, the safety, and then brought him back onto the practice squad. And, you know, practice squad isn't like it's been past years. It's not only 16 players, but – you know, you, you've got veteran players on there to a certain number. As we've seen, 41-year-old Josh McCown. Uh, so it's a little different practice squad than usual. So, you know, those guys are like AAA baseball, you know, ready to play at any moment or like AAA in the other way. And that sometimes it's a former major leaguer going down who's going to come right back up. I told Marty Herney on Panther Talk last night, I go, it feels like we still have the training camp roster because when you count it all up, it's 69 players, so it's really not that far off from being like that 80-man yeah. roster they had in training camp. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it seems like that that uh, 
uh, super secret emergency quarterback being stowed away somewhere else is is uh, kind of the the tail of the tape for a lot of teams in a way. Uh, there, there's probably yeah, think- there's probably some that wish they could uh, stow away some of the guys that are going to start for them actually uh, at the quarterback spot. Uh, Chicago comes to mind, but uh, nonetheless, yeah. uh, there there it seems like there's uh, kind of this. Uh, you know, I don't. I, just that, that's sort of the, that's going to be the modus operandi this year. You're going to have to have people maybe in totally different cities, if not states, and have them uh, ready to drop everything at a moment's notice, potentially. Yeah, you've got to you know know that they're COVID tested. You know, they got to go through a series of tests before they can enter the building. So if you've got somebody even in another place that they've gone through the COVID protocol, you know, at a moment's notice, you could bring them up and bring them over and um you know again virtual world you know in the case of josh mccown or quarterbacks like you're talking about you know they're in on the, the quarterback meetings and the offensive meetings every week and uh carson went loves having josh mccown around to, to bounce things off of so it works in that situation we are, we're, we're different you got younger quarterbacks with will greer and uh pj walker so you, you know those guys need to get practice time and, and working on the field so for them you know young guys and they're kind of going to bounce between the two of them as who's number two and who's number three every week at the quarterback spot. You know, so much last year was made of Will Greer, and, and here he is, I, I guess, the backup. Uh, I mean, what should be read, if anything, into the uh, the Will Greer journey at this point? You know, he seems more comfortable this year for, you know, obviously, one, being a second year. Secondly, he said this terminology, what they're doing system-wise, fits his skill set for him personally a little bit better so he doesn't have the deer-in-the-headlights thing going on. And, you know, the practices we've seen, he, he looks, you know, sharper. You know, that's not, you know, that's not Sunday football competition, uh, but he does look sharper and uh, he's got it more together overall. So he seems like he's grown. And so we'll see, uh, as I said, with P.J. Walker, bringing him in from the XFL and having a history uh, with Coach Wolf Temple, you know, he brings in a little bit something more in terms of foot speed and doing making plays with his feet, whereas, you know, Greer is more the pocket passer. And uh, you know, he's got to be more accurate with the football. So those are the kind of things we'll see if they're able to do it or not. The one and only Jim Zoki from the Carolina Panthers Radio Network usually joins us on Mondays uh, because we were on holiday. Uh, he's joining us here on this uh, Tuesday. Uh, the Eli, Eli Apple ankle injury, is it, uh, is it what troubled him last year? Or is this something different? No, actually, he did have the ankle last year. You mentioned that, but this is not the hamstring injury. So it's a little bit different thing for him this year. So uh, they from what they said, and we had again, we had Marty Herney on last night talking about it. We had Coach Wool talking about it. We both asked, asked both of them rather, and they both seem to think it's not going to be much more, if, it, if if at all, more than three games, which is the minimum you have to stay on that reserved injured list. So it doesn't seem like that. You know, hamstrings can be a little bit tricky, but uh, it doesn't seem like something was going to shut down for half a year or anything like that. How do you feel, uh, Jim, about the depth of the secondary right now? You know. To be determined. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, we can talk all the right talk, and they're high on the potential of Troy Pride Jr., but, you know, you're going to be lining up against, you know, real NFL players and, you know, Coach John Gruden and whatever they've been scheming all this week. So I know they're excited about what uh, Troy can do, and he would seem to be the guy that would start. They got Rasul Douglas, who they signed this week when they did the cutdowns, who's, a, you know, a little bit of a veteran, bigger cornerback, so they could go that way as well, opposite Dante Jackson. Uh, you know, the thing about Trey Boston is you know what you're getting, solid guy, free safety. They're so high on Jeremy Chin. I mean, he'll be playing some linebacker, it looks like. The guy listed as one of the starters at outside linebacker, uh, along with Jermaine Carter at that same position. And then, obviously, we'll see him at safety. But, you know, Justin Burris, again, the veteran brought in from Cleveland mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. NC State player, uh, can do a lot of that, too. So, 
I mean, it's young in spots, but uh, you know, mostly there's a lot of veteran guys that are going to be able to at every position. And there's, there's veteran guys that can help the younger guys out. Tight end, Jim, a position we haven't talked a lot about. Greg Olson was a stalwart there. Uh, obviously, some some new faces and some guys when healthy. I think that could be productive, right? Yeah, and this is Ian Thomas's opportunity to be the pass catching mm-hmm. tight end entering his third year here. So I mean, he's the one that's going to be the Greg Olson role. And then Chris Manhurts. Uh, Traditionally, he's been a, a blocker only. I think he's got six catches in four years. But they like his athleticism and think that he could actually be used as an offensive player, not just a blocker uh, that they could throw the ball to. So I, that's what they pretty much have. they got this kid, uh, Chris Thompson, that's on the practice squad they could bring up if needed. Uh, but those two are the main guys, uh, Thomas and Manhurt. So obviously Greg Olson is one of the all-time greats at that position in the history of the game. You're not going to replace that overnight, but it's an opportunity for Ian Thomas in particular to show what he can do. How, how realistic with the roster, with uh, the expectations this year, should should fans be about what can, can happen this year? I mean, we were talking uh, months ago that this, and I think it's maybe not quite there, but I mean, th- there was some fear that this could resemble an expansion team kind of roster. Maybe in some ways it is. Uh, but, but it just seems to me offensively there could be, you know, some real – opportunity for some fireworks if if this offense takes hold as, as everybody seems to think it will yeah i agree i mean will that translate into a ton of wins we'll see but i'm excited first of all with the offense you've got obviously a veteran really cerebral quarterback in teddy bridgewater who's been around to be a seventh year in the league three exciting receivers in dj moore samuel and now abby anderson obviously mccaffrey the centerpiece of the offense and as you go across the offensive line, you know, Dennis Daly's got an ankle injury right now. Say if it's Schofield starting there, you've got five veteran guys across that offensive line. It's not like you're grooming rookies like last year, Greg Little and Dennis Daly being kind of thrown to the wolves last year. That's a veteran group. So to me, that's, that's a fairly veteran group at offense uh, as far as the whole uh, 11 on the field. Defensively, you could have and probably will have four rookies starting out mm. there. So that's what's going to be a little bit more of a question mark. You know, Phil Snow. Uh, what he can throw together in a short period of time. Uh, I think we're excited about seeing the pairing of KK Short and Derek Brown at the defensive tackle spots. And you got veteran guys like Shaq Thompson and Tyre Whitehead, Dante Jackson. But it's going to be a mix and a blend of, you know, some rookies learning at the same time. Uh, and young guys like Brian Burns needing to step up uh, in his second year and having a healthy year. So to me, probably defensively is going to be the one that, you know, that'll be more where, how ready are they? You know, how far down the road are they from being ready? Well, they have to be better against the run, don't they? I mean, they have to be. Can't be much worse. You and you and me stopping the run could not be any worse <laughs> than what it was. If we just throw our bodies out there, five point one yards per carry in the NFL is disastrous, yeah. and that's collegiate numbers to be giving up those kind of numbers on the ground. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I guess uh, within the last uh, day, Marcus Mariota was put on uh, the injured reserve. I don't know if we were going to see him. He was going to be Carr's backup, uh, but it's been mm-hmm. a little rocky at times for Derek Carr, so that maybe that's a storyline coming in. Uh, what are some of the other storylines with the Raiders? Offensively, the big addition is Henry Ruggs, the third out of Alabama. I mean, four two seven, fastest guy in this draft. He was the first receiver taken off the board. You know, they were a little bit of a dink and dunk offense last year, ran the ball a lot with Josh Jacobs, and, you know, Jacobs will still be a big part of them just trying to run the ball. I would think they would test that first against uh, Carolina. But, you know, Ruggs can now stretch it for them because the other guys are Hunter Renfro, of course, you know, from Clemson. Zay Jones, we talked about last week, mm-hmm. will be backing up Ruggs. Aguilar, who dropped half the passes that were thrown to him in Philadelphia. So really, <laughs> it's, 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 the explosiveness of Aguilar, the running of Josh Jacobs, those are the two that you've got to be fearful of. Now, Mariota was not able to 
even come close to beating out Derek Carr for that starting job. And Carr is just okay, as we know. Yeah. Uh, but they've got a big physical offensive line veteran group again there, too. Richie uh, Incognito, Rodney Hudson. I mean, they got some guys who've been around this league for a long time. Uh, play and tackle football up front there. So that's a really stout offensive line that they got. Do you get the sense that uh, people think that that is with Gruden, I guess, what, in his second or third year, this is in the going in the right direction, or is it – there's still a lot of questions? I mean, they're improved. I mean, they got the 7-9 and nine last year. So, I mean, this is the year you expect that they would make that, that playoff push. And, you know, they – you know, we talked about their offense, but defensively is really where they made the bigger changes, bringing in two linebackers, Corey Littleton and Nick Witkowski from the Bears. And then they drafted Damon Arnett out of Ohio State with their first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So they got two big physical corners, Trayvon Mullen, you know, from Clemson up there, Chris Cleland Furl at defensive end. So they got some good young talent there and now some fast linebackers that can cover. That's where they were getting beat was a lot of underneath throws, and now they've added speed at that linebacker spot. So, yeah, I, I think uh, the Raiders, uh, I've seen like the Peter King and some other projections, they're, they're kind of like a wild card pick this year as far as yeah. people making their prognostications of how good the Raiders might be this yeah. year. All right. Uh, we'll see on uh, Sunday, and we'll talk to you all about it on uh, Monday. Uh, Jim, thanks a lot, man. All right. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. There he is, Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. Uh, and the game will be on WTIB, our sister station, 103.7, uh, noon airtime, 1 p.m. kick. Thanks to Zoak for being on with us. Great job today by uh, Ben Byram and uh, intern Philip the Ref. And uh, say, tomorrow uh, we will uh, dig into more uh, Mike Houston sound, including uh, some fresh sound that we'll have for you at 6.15. Uh, We're going to uh, be heading to the Zoom press conference here. And uh, we're going to jump on and get some comments from Coach. And I think we we got some Panthers comments, don't we, for tomorrow as well. So we'll have a lot of audio. Uh, Check our uh, social media, 94.3 The Game, on Twitter and Facebook. We'll uh, be posting video clips of this uh, presser at that locale. Talk to you tomorrow.